0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. And you know that there is an opportunity where they could help you, but they just say they can't. I have to work. It's an excuse that they, they use. It's an opportunity for them to tell you that they don't care about you. Let's face it. We're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully and victoriously? Those are the questions and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. And I know what it's like if you're dealing with a narcissist at work. I had a narcissistic business partner, and it was really, really awful. So I know the 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 angst you can feel. I know the anxiety. I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night. You're thinking about it. You're brushing your teeth. You're thinking about it. You're you're patting out to get your coffee. You're thinking about it. You're you're you're, you're, you're walking your dog. You're thinking about it. It's just not. It's awful. You can never get away from it, right? I mean, especially with work, you you spend so much of your day at work, and you're sitting at your desk, and oh my God, there's that person. You get the email. There's that person, and you know, if it's your boss, you, you're thinking, oh God, you know, can I get another job? You know, or or maybe you feel like you know this pay is good, or I'm I'm trying to support my family. And, or or it's this coworker and it's, it's very, very difficult. You know, there's that email chain that you were left off of that meeting you were supposed to be at and you're not getting it. And that promotion that maybe you're being left out of, and it can really, really impact your sense of well being. It can start to impact you physically. It can start to impact you emotionally, spiritually. It can start to impact your, your home life. And you know, your hair starts falling out. You're just rashes, and you know, and team dynamics, and it can really start to uh, impact you in all different ways. And so, you know, maybe it's this other team member that you have that has this constant need for validation, and they're maybe they're taking credit for your work. Or maybe there's this lack of empathy that they have this constant disregard for your feelings. And, you know, I, mean, I remember seeing this boss one time. It wasn't for me, but I remember this particular person, you know, throwing a legal memo down on one of the other attorney's desk saying, you know, this is the worst piece of S that I've ever seen. And, you know, this is really, it can be actually mentally abusive to work for somebody like that or, you know, manipulative things to gain power and control and, you know, or smearing somebody. You know, I've seen that happen too, you know, actually start spreading rumors about somebody, you know, oh, oh you know, this person might have a drug problem or this person might have an issue at home. You know, they might say start saying things like that just because they want to gain some sort of advantage In order to get a promotion or or something, and and that can be really really detrimental. You know, if you are trying to deal with this, how do you turn that around? How do you turn that power dynamic around? You know, for one thing, for sure, you're going to want to have to have some sort of 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 boundary, and you know, you're going to want to have a way that you can start to say, "Listen, that's not what happened. This is." you know, my truth, this is how, you know, you're going to be able to speak to me in a way that's respectful. And, and, you know, I have phrases for disarming narcissists, for sure. You're going to want to go get those disarm the you, you know, because in, in no matter what your situation is, it's never okay to speak to a person in a way that's disrespectful, whether, whether it's your boss, whether it's your coworker, even if, it, you know, if it's a subordinate, whatever it is, Obviously, you're never going to allow somebody to speak to you in a way that's disrespectful. You know, I always say the thing that's the things that are um, are negotiable or contracts, issues, and terms. What's so never negotiable is your self your self respect, your self esteem. For sure, you're never going to want to make you know allow yourself to be attacked on a personal level. I mean, obviously sometimes it, it you know it's fair to allow your work to be critiqued but never can somebody attack you on a personal level and so you know if you need to have conversations keep them to just the facts never allow yourself to be emotionally triggered you know try to stay calm respond don't react absorb observe don't absorb uh, you know is, is one of the other things that I like to say pretend like you're uh, reporting the news never get defensive so and if you're dealing with a narcissistic boss the challenges of you know looking at it from an upward position is it, it can be extremely difficult especially if you you feel tied to that particular job in that moment. You know, avoid getting entangled in office dramas. It can be extremely uh, t- toxic. Don't allow yourself to get sucked in to the, the smearing of other people because that never works in your favor. It always comes back to bite you. I always say, wear the white hat, let other people wear the black hat. Somebody said to me the other day, what does my white hat mean? I, I'm saying, don't be the one, in getting involved in bad behavior, right? Let other people do that. Don't get sucked into that, that, that drama. Don't get lured into that, right? Because it never comes back to, you know, in your favor. Make sure you document everything, especially if you've got a narcissistic boss. If there's an HR department. You know, use them because you might need to seek that support if necessary. And make sure you document, document, document. If you can, you know, follow up with email. We just had this conversation. I just want to confirm that this is what was said. Hire manage, you know, use higher management if necessary. Have meetings if necessary. You know, communication. One form of communication, email if necessary, has a time and date stamp. it's the least likely to be manipulated. You know, maintaining professional boundaries so, so important. You're gonna need a support uh, team, a support system around you. Maybe it's not at work, maybe it's at home. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's therapy. Y- you know, uh, if if you don't have, you know, access to therapy where you are. We do have a um, a, a sponsor on this channel, which is BetterHelp, betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung. We receive commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra. We want you to have access to help and support that you can trust. And if you need additional support, our Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung, there's a link below in the description. Don't do this alone do not allow yourself to be isolated because narcissists will try to gaslight you and you know you're going to start feeling like you're going crazy don't allow yourself to do that you know keep good records careful records so that you know what is important right and strategies for clear communication assertive communication you know disarmthenarc.com i have 15 key phrases for disarming narcissists if you need those grab those disarmthenarc.com Avoid getting into entangle, entanglements in the office. Prioritize your self-care. Prior, prioritize your mental well-being. So, so important. And external men, mentorship and guidance, really, really important as well. If you have a business coach, you know I, I know I've had a business coach for the last 15 years who's been uh, extremely important in my life. And uh, you know, if you have the ability to get one, I always highly recommend that. So if if you're navigating dynamics at work, toxic dynamic at work, you know and and you know it in it, you're feeling like you're isolated and alone, use some of the 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 um advice that you know, the pieces of advice that I'm giving you here because, it can really weigh on you. It can start to weigh on you physically. It can start to weigh on you emotionally. It can start to weigh on you spiritually and your soul. So don't allow it to go too long because it it can really um, affect you in a lot of different ways, all right? Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify... all lowercase, go to shopify.com slash bestlife to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bestlife. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, so in today's video, we are going to dive into how to bully-proof your career by giving you 10 empowering strategies to crush Workplace bullying. The first thing that you can do is recognize the signs. Recognize the signs that you are actually being bullied. You know, I was actually bullied as a kid, and I didn't even know that I was being bullied again by this person. I just knew that it didn't feel good being in relationship with this person. Sometimes because it's so covert, it's like death by a thousand cut. You're inadvertently being left off an email. They're just inadvertently forgetting little things about you or being passive aggressive, like saying that they're going to do something and not doing it. It just often starts very, very, very subtly and it becomes soul crushing. It's crucial to be aware that this is a form of bullying. It is a form of psychological abuse. It's psychological warfare. Those little changes in behavior, changes in behavior in the person, and then changes in, in behavior of the people who the person is talking to and the people around you can be a sign that something is going on, a sign that there is bullying happening. If you find yourself feeling targeted and demeaned, it's crucial to acknowledge the situation and address it head on because... It will empower you and it will empower you that you are taking action about it. If your supervisor is persistently dismissing your contributions, making you feel insignificant, identify this as bullying and it will enable you to confront this situation and seek out the support that you need to seek out. By the way, I do have a support group. It's Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. Please feel free to join that. It's on Facebook. There are a lot of people in they're supporting each other, I encourage you to join it. It will definitely help you as well. And by the way, if you need access to therapy and you don't have access to therapy, I also have a sponsor on this channel. It is BetterHelp. You can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Sung. It is a sponsor for us, which means we receive commissions on it. You don't pay any extra. I also want you to have access to help and support that you need that you can trust. The next one is maintain emotional resilience, developing emotional resilience is essential in overcoming workplace bullying. Remember, you cannot control other people's actions. Know that it's not, doesn't have anything to do with you. These are people who have low self-esteem to begin with, but you know, you can control your reaction to it, cultivating emotional intelligence about it, practicing that self-care, seeking support, seeking support from friends, family, getting that professional help. you need that we just talked about mentally staying strong that will help you if you are facing that constant criticism learning to focus on knowing what's true knowing your truth staying positive viewing it as an opportunity for you to grow and considering that source rather than taking it personally will definitely help you maintain that emotional resilience rise above that will help you as well. The next thing that you can do is set boundaries. Establishing clear boundaries is a way to protect yourself in the workplace. Have polite but firm communication and set limits. Let others know when their behavior is crossing the line. It's okay for you to to say, this is not okay for me. Let them know that you're not tolerating disrespectful behavior. Don't allow anyone to disrespect you. These are the things that are negotiable, contracts, issues, terms. The things that are not negotiable are your self-respect, your self-esteem, who you are. The next one is number four, which is document incidents. Write things down, keep a record of any bullying incidents that you experience or that you witness. Detailed documentation will help you present a clear case. If you need to report the bullying to human resources or to management, making sure that you have a comprehensive log of events will Always strengthen your position and ensure that your concerns are taken seriously. I have won entire cases on people's documentation. So especially if it is done simultaneously with the incident happening. If a colleague publicly humiliates you during a meeting, jot down something specific that was made at that time. Make sure you do it without bad language, make sure you do it without the emotion involved, just factual. The next thing is you want to seek support from other coworkers. If you are seeing other people go through the same thing, make sure that others are doing the same thing. Seek support at work as well. So in addition to seeking support through your own personal network, see if there are allies that you have within your workplace, trusted colleagues, trusted supervisors, because that will definitely help you as well. The next thing that you could potentially do is actually confront the person who is doing the bullying. I have actually done this before when it was an opposing counsel, when it was my business partner, whoever it is. You don't need to do this in a confrontational setting, just specifically say, hey, can we discuss this? What specifically is your issue? In a way that is assertive, one-on-one communication can address the issue. And instead of being critical, maybe there's a way that you can resolve it with them. The next thing that you can do is utilize company resources if there are any human resources, if there's a support system, if there's a policy in place. Maybe there's even some sort of an anonymous way that some sort of investigation can be done or some sort of an anonymous reporting system to ensure that your concerns are heard. If there is, then take advantage of that. The next one is focusing on your own personal growth. You know that they're not going to change. You know, you have to change you. No one's going to knock on on your door and and say, "Hey, I'm going to take care of them for you. I'm going to go beat beat them up for you or whatever. You have to come and work on you. By you showing up and standing in your power, it will actually transform them. In a lot of ways, you tell people how to treat you. I love the saying that if you don't want to be a doormat, get up off the floor. It is so interesting when you start showing up differently, people start treating you differently as well. Start reading things on personal growth. Start attending workshops on conflict resolution. Start building your ability to address these situations differently. Enroll in courses. Watch these videos. That sort of thing. It will help you. The next thing is to stay true to your values. Stay true to who you are. Start visualizing who it is that you want to be and start being that person. I have very often started saying things like, I am confident confident. I am strong. Just really authentically know who you are. Just knowing that authentic power always beats counterfeit power every single time. And if someone pressures you to start getting into that mud with them, you don't go there. Don't compromise your own integrity. Standing firm in that, that will help you tremendously as well. Finally, certainly, always know when to consider external opportunities also. I wouldn't say always go ahead and run. I wouldn't think of it as running away from as walking toward. Walking toward other opportunities, it's really important to say, I'm not making my current situation wrong. I'm creating something new that's right for me. If you think of it in terms of that, it will make things so much better for you. Being in gratitude about your current situation will ensure that you don't repeat the same patterns or the same energy. You must learn the lessons of where you are now in order to make sure that they don't get repeated. You hold the power to shape your destiny. You hold the power to make sure that you stay empowered and you become bullyproof. People see vulnerabilities in people and I want to make sure that you inspire. You inspire yourself. You inspire positive change in yourself and you become that change in yourself. Use this as an opportunity for growth for yourself. That's the most important thing and not make it about the bullies, not make it about the bullies, but make it about yourself, make it about an opportunity for yourself for empowerment, make it about yourself for growth. And then down the road, you know, when you see other people in these situations, you can turn around and you can be that helping hand. You can be the one that says, hey, I've been where you are. I can help you. I can coach you through this. I have also been dealing with it. I have dealt with it in my personal life. I had a covert narcissist business partner and the excuses that they come up with are just insane to me and it's it's really really pretty difficult and crazy and they make you feel like you're crazy and especially when you're dealing with a covert narcissist because the rest of the world thinks that they are wonderful the rest of the world thinks that they're charming so you don't want to bring up to the rest of the world, what's going on a lot of the times. Because when you do, a lot of the times people think, well, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's inadvertent. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe they didn't mean to. Those kinds of things. Or maybe they meant for that to be nice. You know, there's there's so many different things that happen. So you just you you get to a point where you just don't want to really bring it up to other people anymore, but yet you're literally the life is being drained out of you one moment at a time, one item at a time, one thing at a time. You know? So I just wanted to highlight this for you because not as a let's let's pile on and talk about how bad narcissists are, but really more so that when you hear these things, it will help you to see you're not actually crazy, that these things actually do exist. They do these things to make you think you're the one who's crazy. Then you can start to go, wow. This is actually happening. This person is a narcissist or maybe even a covert narcissist. It will help you start to heal. You can start to break free. You can actually start to take control of your life and you can start to then create boundaries and shift that dynamic and then start to create a plan for your life to move forward, I say step one, don't run. Step two, make a U turn. Step three, break free. But you have to. You have to stop that conditioning, then turn it around, and then break free. I would say you know, you're shifting that paradigm, you're turning it around. In order to turn that ship around, turn it around, you've got to figure out what it is that you're dealing with first, right? You can't do that without knowing what it is that you're dealing with. You've got to be able to identify it. You've got to be able to see it first, okay? So that's the purpose of me making videos like this because I don't want you to think oh, let's just trash talk narcissists because that's not really helpful to you. It's helpful to you to be able to identify what it is that you're looking for so that you can then become empowered with the information and start to live into your purpose and break free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash negotiate. So number one is they'll say, I have to work. A lot of times they'll say, I would love to, I want to help you but I can't, I have to work. And what's crazy about this one is you'll see that maybe they didn't have to work or that they did have the opportunity to help you beforehand or after, or maybe you find out they didn't necessarily have to work that particular day or they didn't have to work as long or maybe they could have Given you some extra time at at that time, you know, there's just there's something passive aggressive about it. Like when they say they have to work, maybe they could have stopped on their way. You know, like maybe you want them to stop and pick up a prescription for you on the way to your work or on the way home from work or something like that, but they'll say. I can't, I have to work. And you know that there is an opportunity where they could help you, but they just say they can't, I have to work. It's an excuse that they, they use. It's an opportunity for them to tell you that they don't care about you. Because you know that given a will, there would be a way. And if it were a person that they actually cared about, then they would. Or if somebody were watching that they cared about, then they would. Or if it were somebody where it meant that they would get good exposure, then they would make it happen because it would make them look good, then they would. And so when they say these things, you know, that it really is just an excuse. Okay. So that's number one is they just, that you just know that they just don't want to. And it, it, especially if it's literally like right on their way. Number two is I don't feel well. This one again is, you know, always situational because again, you know, you'll see that they don't feel, they don't feel well. But then the very next day, if something comes up where they really want to do it, there they are. They miraculously feel so much better. Or even that same day that they miraculously feel so much better, they just didn't feel well to do the favor for you. And so, you know, it's so very obvious that they just didn't feel well when they, were being asked to do something that was a favor for you. They actually might not feel well when it's a conversation that you might want to have that is a favor for you. So you might say, can you be on the phone when I have to talk to this person that it's a difficult conversation for me? And they might just say, they might even say sure at the time, and then when it comes time to actually have the conversation, they'll say, "I have a headache right now," or you know, even halfway through the conversation, they might say, "Oh, you know, I can't right now. I'm just having trouble breathing, or my stomach hurts, or whatever." And they just don't—they don't even end up staying throughout the entire conversation like you asked them to. That sort of thing. I don't feel well. And so these are excuses they come up with because you asked them to do something for you. That's number two. And it's all a way to let you know that they just don't care about you. And they're certainly not going to take the time, their precious time, to do something for you. So that's number two. Number three As I don't understand what you're saying. What is it that you're saying? What are you asking me? I don't get it. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll especially do this in texts. You're asking them to do something and it's especially something that is, it's definitely very obvious what you're saying, very obvious what you're asking, and they make it seem like it's so complicated. And and eventually, they just, I, we'll just talk about this later, so that they just basically don't ever get to the point. They don't ever have to really answer you because they act like what you're asking is so... I, I can't get this right now. We'll just talk about this another time. You know, I'm doing something right now. Can we I don't I don't understand what you're saying. We'll we'll talk about this later. And so you basically just don't ever get an answer right at that moment. So that's another excuse that they'll give. Number four is they'll say, Yes, I will do it. And then they just don't. And That's one of the more frustrating ones because that's a super passive aggressive move. They just don't do it. And then you end up in this quandary of, do I go back and nag them? How many times do I nag them? And then you go back and you nag them. This is especially difficult if you are a business partner of this person because You go and you say, um, Where is the thing that you said you're going to do for me? And they say, Oh, well, I'm going to be getting to that. And sure. And, you know, I just had other things come up this week. I will be getting to it. I didn't forget about you. And then more weeks go by and then they don't. And, And, you know, so that's another sort of thing it's not even an excuse it's just they just don't which is a super passive aggressive narcissistic move that's number 4 very classic covert narcissist move by the way saw that a lot in the narcissistic business partner number 5 is i never got your text I never got your message. So that's another excuse that they come up with when you ask them for favors. Oh, I never saw that. I never got your email. It must have gone into my spam. I I definitely would have done it for you. You should have let me know. You should have called me. I definitely would have if I had known. Surely, absolutely, I would have been there for you. So you know, it's never got it. Number six is sort of like number one, but number number six is it's out of my way. Number six is I would do it, but it's out of my way. It's out of my way. You know, even though it's not out of the way, you know that it's not out of their way, but it's out of my way. I don't have time. So, you know, I just, I can't do this for you because it's, you know, out of my way. I can't. Make the time. I have to go to this place. You know, I have to get right there. And I just, it's out of my way at that time. Number seven is the absolute perfect narcissistic response. Number seven, you never help me. When I ask, right? Because all relationships are tra- narcissistic, relationships are transactional. It has to be you do, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And it's even worse than that because for a narcissist, it's got to be you know, you got to do way more for me before I give you a little crumb. You know, and I don't even want to have to give you the crumb, but you know, I'm only going to do the crumb for you because if I don't give you the crumb, then you probably won't continue to give me the entire loaf of bread. So I'll give you the crumb. Right. So you never help me when I ask is the massive, huge excuse that narcissists give when you ask them for any kind of a favor. And that's why you end up feeling completely and totally depleted, but there's still. Empty, they're still starving, they're still desperate, they're still gasping for breath, you know, because it's like this black hole inside of them. It's this, you know, thing that can never be filled. They need an endless amount of that narcissistic supply. And you're just going to be completely depleted and feeling like your soul has been sucked from your body if you keep going the way that you are. That's why they're called energy vampires. And you can't continue that way. Now, what is the fallout when you're dealing with a narcissist in the workplace? The collateral damage is huge. Narcissistic behavior on the job is not just economic. It's not just emotional. Just one narcissist can be that proverbial one apple that can make all of them rotten. Seriously, I have seen it happen. I've seen it happen as an employer. Frankly, you have that one bad apple in there, that one person who's pitting everybody against everybody, who's bringing the morale down. And then what happens is that it causes less productiveness within everybody. It's it's causing now... If you have to get rid of that person, how much does it cost you to have to replace that person? And over time, teams don't want to work with each other. Having to deal with the short-term, the long-term fallout as a manager, as a team member, organizational fallout, can the impact can be quite huge. Now, what is it you're looking for? What are the red flags? What kinds of things should you be seeing or should you be looking for? You know, as an employer, red flags, narcissists have a grandiose sense of self. So they want all of the attention to be on themselves at all times. They end up taking credit. Or other people's work. They are unwilling to work in teams oftentimes. They require an excessive level of praise. I remember one time when I was interviewing somebody for a job and that person right in the interview process said to me, I ready like to work with, I love helping people, I love you know saying all the right things. But then she said, Only thing I require is I need a lot of praise. I require lots and lots and lots of praise and adoration. I thought, this is not the person for this organization. I mean, if they tell you that right up front, heed the signs, heed the warning signs. Remember, when people tell you who they are, believe them the first time, right? If they won't take feedback, if they're extremely defensive, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always a problem if they're, they're unwilling to take responsibility for their actions, for their screw ups, for their problems. You know, they didn't do something on time, they didn't deliver when they were supposed to, they didn't follow through when they were supposed to, those sorts of things. And it's always somebody else's fault. They had a family funeral, they had something. Someone else didn't get them the things on time. It was always something. You start to see people pitting people against each other. You see problems. Everywhere this particular person goes, that's where a problem is. you heard that this person said something bad about this person, or this person is not a team player. Back to kindergarten. Does not work well with others. Doesn't play well in the sandbox. That's a red flag as well. Doesn't have empathy for others. You know, doesn't seem to care about other people in the organization. You know, literally doesn't, you know, seem to worry about what's happening with other people in the organization. Or if you're talking about a boss, does the boss seem to care? I mean, I remember... There was a boss that I worked for one time, wasn't me that had the situation, but somebody else that I worked for was a single parent. And this particular boss didn't care about what was going on and even told that single parent to get a cab for her children to take them to the doctor one time because she didn't want that single parent to be away from the office when her children were sick. That is a sign of a person who may not have empathy, who may not care about the employees. Exhibiting signs of those sorts of narcissistic behavior can be a problem. These are the kinds of things that ultimately down the road are going to bring down the morale that are going to cause almost like a cancer within The whole organization. It can be super pervasive within all sorts of organizations and very, very, very toxic. And so you've got to go in, you've got to root out that problem, and you've got to do it as soon as you see it. And and then you've also got to train other people in your organization to be able to see what's going on so that you can help arm them with the right solutions. And with the right skills to be able to handle this, to be able to deal with this so that they can gain some clarity on this, so that they can learn how to speak, so that they can be given the phrases, so that they can know how to establish strong, healthy boundaries. You know what I say? Step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step Three, break free. And, you know, one of the other things I so often say is, you know, what's negotiable? Contracts, issues, terms. You know, what's not negotiable ever is your self worth, your self esteem, who you are. Narcissists are so much more afraid of you than you are of them. So if you stand in your power, if you stand up to them, if you know who you are, if you know who, how to be strong and, and in your healthiness, whole and complete, they will shrink. They will respect you. That's like a kryptonite to a narcissist. But you've got to know how to do that. And you've got to be able to know how to keep that going in your organization, or it's going to cost the organization so much money. Learning how to keep that difficult employee in check and keeping your organization free from that person so that you can keep the organization overall healthy and strong will in the end be such a lifesaver for all involved. And by the way, save yourself so much time and so much headache and so much money coming up more on negotiate your best life with rebecca zong they make it look like they're a good person but just underneath that surface is that underlying thing and everybody else thinks they're wonderful so if you're their target if you are their victim then it's it, it makes it all that much harder are you struggling with a narcissist in your life whether it's a family member a friend a business partner a soon to be X, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. Narcissists hate boundaries. And mine is no exception. She's always finding some new way in. i I mean it's 10 years later at this point. So I've I've basically repaired the I've replaced the fence with like a 10-foot brick wall. And now we return to today's show. diving into a topic that we've maybe dealt with since we were kids, sometimes on a playground, sometimes at school, on the school bus, at the bus stop. But hey, it doesn't stop there. You know, you thought you were going to leave it behind, but no, here we are in the grown-up world and we're still dealing with it. And in this video, we're going to talk about how we still deal with it At work in the workplace, I'm so happy that I don't have to deal with this now because I own my own company, but you know, it still happens. You know, sometimes I see it when I'm dealing with people in contract negotiations or tangentially, at least I don't have to deal with it within my own company, but I still see it. I still feel the effects of it sometimes, but at least now I know authentically who I am but it doesn't make it any more fun. So the first one that often happens is, you know, that whole sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But that's not true. Names hurt you over and over and over again. And so that very first one is verbal bullying. Verbal bullying is where, you know, what do you think? That person uses those names, that harsh language, those insults, that ridicule, demeaning language to belittle you, to intimidate you, to come after you. They might write out, call you stupid or whatever, but they might just try to cut you down in some way. Their goal is to undermine you, to undermine your confidence, And it could be your boss. It could be a coworker. It could be a colleague. It could be even somebody underneath you, you know, as far as a subordinate, but it still doesn't make it any less hurtful. You know, even if it's a subordinate to you, it doesn't make it any less hurtful, right? Impact of verbal bullying can be long lasting and it can lead to decreased productivity. It can lead to increased stress levels. Certainly, damage your self-esteem, and you know this is a person who's constantly criticizing people. Somebody who says, you know, I don't like your idea. They're constantly shooting shooting down other people's ideas or contributions during meetings. It, It can be somebody who uses derogatory language or insults. You know, maybe while they're working, it could be somebody who publicly humiliates the target, like right out maybe while you're having lunch or during a meeting or during a call. Sarcastic comments are the same thing. Something that's disguised as a joke—that's the same thing. Uh, oh, don't don't give it to so and so. He'll never get it done on time. You know, that's a, a sarcastic comment that can also be hurtful. You know, engaging in name calling—that can also be hurtful. Offensive language can can be something that other coworkers don't necessarily like too shouting to assert your authority yelling at somebody i've seen people say oh, this is the worst piece of crap i've ever seen what the hell is this Did you think that you were actually going to accomplish something by doing this? You know, something like that. That's verbal bullying. Instilling fear in somebody. Get this done or your job is on the line. You know, that is verbal bullying as well. It's not fun if you're dealing with somebody like that. I do have phrases for disarming narcissists that you are certainly uh, welcome to, to grab. I would definitely highly encourage you that you get them. You they're free. Go to disarmthenark.com to get them, disarmthenark.com, and use them to help you to disarm people who are you're dealing with like this so that you can interact with them, hopefully in a more positive way and make it better for yourself. The next one is the passive aggressive bully. Personally, I cannot stand dealing with these people. These are more of your covert narcissistic type of people. They're more subtle in their approach, but honestly, I think that they're equally as damaging and damning in dealing with them because they're more of like what I call the Clean hands, you know, they try to keep their hands clean when you're interacting with them. But it's more like things under the radar, so that they don't like things don't get back to them, right? They they might spread rumors, they might have backhanded compliments. Oh yeah, you know, you're really good at that. You know when when you get to it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, like very passive aggressive, right? I mean, I'm really smart, but you know, you certainly work really hard. It's just like a backhanded compliment like that, sabotaging other people's work, making sure you don't get things done on time, not getting you something that you needed to have to make sure that you got something done on time. Actions create a toxic work Environment where trust is eroded and relationships can become extremely strained. You know, again, this is where remarks can be, you know, very snide, something under a breath, deliberately withholding important information, an email inadvertently didn't get sent. Oh, I thought I sent that. Here it was. It was in my outbox. You know, I thought it was sent. Oh, I, I don't know how that happened. Re- resources didn't make it when they were supposed to. Covert narcissists, they often couch their rumors in the form of care. Just condescending, backhanded compliments to make others feel inadequate. If you're dealing with somebody like that, you know, you're certainly going to need support. I have a, a free private Facebook group that I highly recommend that you join, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. A lot of activity going on in there with people supporting each other. Definitely join that and get therapy if you need therapy. If you don't have access to get therapy, we have a sponsor here on this channel, which is BetterHelp. And you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung for online therapy. It is a sponsor here. So if you sign up, we Um, receive commissions. It doesn't cost you any extra. We just want you to have access to good resources. There is a good video, which is 10 power packed phrases to unmask a covert narcissist instantly. I definitely recommend that you check that out also. The next type of bully is the manipulative bully, more of a covert narcissistic type of bully. This individual employs manipulation and cunning tactics to gain power and control over Their targets. So, this is a person who uses like gaslighting techniques or manipulation, like they manipulate facts to confuse or undermine their victims. So, they manipulate situations to to get people to be pit people against each other. They they want to create a hostile work environment. They want to create a work environment where they set themselves up to look like the good one and everybody else is the bad one. So, they might say, "Oh, so and so is a problem or this one's a problem." And they, they 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 make it seem like everybody else is maybe talking about each other, so they get people to be mad at each other, but they're the good ones. Or they might take credit for somebody else's work to the boss, and they don't give proper recognition to whoever should have gotten recognition. They just use manipulative tactics to create conflicts they engage in gaslighting to distort facts to make targets question their own sanity they threaten or jeopardize other people's job security and advancement opportunities they fake kindness or empathy just to manipulate into uh, other people into doing things for them. They're just, you know, not good people in general. So that is the third kind of bully. The fourth kind of bully, the last kind of bully that we're going to take a look at for this particular video, is what we call the cyber bully. Of course, in this day and age, we're going to look at cyber bullying, right? So this is a you know the digital kind of bully, the bully who sits behind their computer, hides behind that screen, and. Uses online platforms to harass people, to intimidate people, to threaten their victims, and um, engages in online humiliation, spreading false information, trying to intimidate people in a way that, you know, they can remain anonymous. Of course, it attacks a person's well-being. It attacks their core and significantly impairs their ability to work. And, And this is a person who sends harassing messages, threatening emails to their colleagues. It could be even sexual, things of a sexual nature in this particular Instance derogatory messages. It could be somebody who posts insulting comments on social media about their coworkers, spreads false information about their coworkers, and of course, they do all of this in a an anonymous fashion, and so they can stalk them. and And this person ends up feeling very afraid, very afraid for themselves, afraid for their life, afraid for their safety sometimes. Probably the scariest form of of bully and they absolutely need to be shut down. So those are the four types of workplace bullies that I'm going to talk about in this particular video. Let's talk about narcissists. How do you spot them? I mean there's so many different kinds. I'm telling you, I didn't know myself. I I only dealt with a covert passive aggressive narcissist after I had built this massive huge law practice, this successful law practice, and then I went into an entrepreneurial endeavor with somebody who turned out to be a covert passive aggressive narcissist who was a female. I didn't even know that women could be narcissists. You know, it was a business partnership for me. So there's a spectrum of narcissism and you know all the way at the end of the spectrum is narcissistic personality disorder but it's a person who feels totally and completely empty inside it's a person who feels like they need to get all of their feeling of value from external sources so inside they've got this black hole inside of them and and they're constantly trying to fill it from external validation that's you know what's really going on because they have this shame, this deep sense of shame. And so they this this external validation is what we call narcissistic supply. It can be what we call uh, uh you know what I call diamond level supply, which is how they look to the world, and it's like their image, and, and it can be prestigious friends, and it could be cars, and it could be money, it could be big houses, it could be all that sort of thing, or it could be. What I call coal level supply, which is pushing people down to make themselves feel better. So that could be degrading people, controlling people, making people feel you know small, you know, so that they feel bigger, passive aggression, that sort of thing too. So malignant narcissists are, you know, a person who is has a more of an overlay of uh, you know antisocial personality disorder that sort of thing but a covert narcissist it, you know is different from an overt narcissist in the sense that you know an overt narcissist is that what i call the the garden variety narcissist that's the person who you know kind of fills the room demands the best table is that that impulsive person that that person who is uh, the 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 one that everybody thinks of when you think of a narcissist sort of bragging about everything, demanding the out there one who's sort of in your face interrupting you and and right in your face, whereas the uh, you know, the, the the covert narcissist is not the aggressive one. That's that's the one who doesn't necessarily have that overinflated in your face sort of personality the covert narcissist on the other hand is more passive aggressive they they're more of a victim nature they're going to be more of the you know oh it's not fair and you know or or you know they might appear very very nice they might appear very very kind everybody thinks that they're wonderful and, and they're more going to be you know the inadvertent uh you know leaving you off the email chain oh i can't believe i did that oh i don't know how that happened you know, I, oh, I can't believe I forgot that, you, you know, they might smear you, but they put it in terms of care. Oh, I'm just so, I'm just so worried about somebody. I'm so worried about Susie and her drinking. I'm just concerned. I'm just concerned for her, you know, that sort of thing. But it's more um, that underlying security, that underlying rage, that jealousy is just right underneath that surface. You know, they they are much more likely to seem like a victim, seem like a person who everybody wants to take care of. Oh, poor person! You know, oh, poor Ann. Or they might be the first person that shows up at the hospital when somebody has cancer. They make it look like they're a good person, but just underneath that surface is that underlying thing and everybody else thinks they're wonderful so if you're their target if you are their victim then it's it, it makes it all that much harder to, to get people to understand what's going on because it it's it's sort of death by a thousand cuts and people might say oh but they're so nice it's probably it was probably inadvertent and and your it and and the things that they do have an element of plausible deniability about them because they act like oh i i must have forgotten that or i i didn't mean that you know i didn't mean to leave you off of that email chain i don't know why you didn't show up for that meeting you know that sort of thing so it's a a much more difficult situation whereas the uh, grandiose narcissist is much more in your face. And when you're dealing with them in court, they're going to be the ones who are more likely to ignore court orders, file false pleadings, that sort of thing. So if you're dealing with them at all, it's all very, very difficult. You're definitely going to want some support and you're going to want to have people around you. So join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators. if you know If you are needing some phrases, some something at the ready to help you. make sure you grab those at disarmthenark.com and so that you have some handy phrases to help you when you're writing emails when you're writing you are your text messages, you' you're standing there talking to them you're like, oh my god, what do I say? disarmthenark.com is a good place for you to start. If you need access to therapy, betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung is a good place to start with that as well. It's a sponsor that we have here on this channel. You know, we receive um commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra. It's just uh, some additional resource for you so that you can have access to some resources that have been vetted. It's it's not you. It's it's their need for control, their need for um, to fill that void that's inside of them. That's why they call them energy vampires. That's why they use, they go through all of these charades to make themselves feel better because they have you know, this this deep-seated shame that's inside of them and they're they're trying to cover up their manipulations you know it's a result of trauma from their childhood which is actually something that i talk about in my book slay the bully how to negotiate with a narcissist and win which you can get you can check out at slaythebully.com you know i really do invite you to make sure that you are continuing your education continuing your 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 journey and getting the information that you need because the power of knowledge against narcissism the, the power of understanding will help to protect you put that that invisible shield down around you you know i would say step 1 don't run step 2 make a u turn step 3 break free that's kind of part of my the first part of my slay method that first part of the strategy and when you're creating that vision and that action plan, you know, because knowing that you have a framework to deal with them helps you so much when you're when you're just starting to, to make those first baby steps, right? I enjoy making sure that you have access to information. And, you know, we're creating a slay nation over here. We're commu- creating a community so that you feel empowered, so that you know that you're not alone because narcissists want you to feel alone. And I don't want you to feel that way. No one here wants you to feel that way. And so the next video that I want you to watch is eight comments that reveal a narcissist dishonesty. There's so many comments that they have that reveal a narcissist dishonesty, but I want you to watch that video next, eight comments that reveal a narcissist dishonesty. And remember that we're in this together. No matter where you are in your journey, that is a great jumping off point. All right? So You can do this. You can become the most powerful version of yourself. I've literally helped thousands of people do it. You can do it too. All right. So, you are getting ready to deal with a narcissist. And, you know, you're in the middle of drama, trauma, and chaos for sure. And you can't even think straight half the time because you're under siege. That's what happens when you go into the discard phase of a narcissistic relationship. Remember, there's the love bombing, then there's the devaluing, then there's the discarding. And if you want to know more about, those three phases. Definitely check out my videos on each one of those topics. But when you're in that discard phase, that's when you start to see the birth of the smear campaign and all these things are coming at you at once. And when you are uh, in that phase, the narcissist basically wants to take you down. They want to get you before you get them. So, you're going to start to see them doing things. They're going to start lining up their flying monkeys. They're going to, you know, meaning these third parties, what flying monkeys are, was a reference to the uh, Wizard of Oz. And the Wicked Witch had her flying monkeys and these people who are just sort of like sat on the side of the evil person and just kind of went along and didn't really realize what was going on. And that's what flying monkeys actually really are. I mean, they're people that... The narcissist is lined up to um, be on their side or against you. And in their perfect world, both right on their side and against you which is perfect for them and they want you to feel like you are ganged up on they want you to feel like you are isolated that you are out of it that you're excluded that you, there's nothing more for you um because they want you to be suffering i've actually had somebody who said uh, you know i think that he wants me to kill myself that's not the case actually because if you did that then they wouldn't have any more narcissistic supply. What they really want is to just make you miserable. They get off on that. It's totally sick. I mean, that's but that's what it is for them. They actually kind of get a high out of making people miserable. And that's why they drag out litigation. That's why the negotiation process takes so long. You know, I have a private Facebook group which by the way you are certainly welcome to join. It's called Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung and I did a survey in there and asked people, how long did your litigation take? How much did it cost you? And do you know that a huge percentage of people said it cost more than $100,000 and it cost more and it took more than 3 years? Why do you think that is? Because you are dealing with a narcissist in negotiation at that point. And what's driving them? It's not to come to a nice resolution. It's not even to win. No newsflash for you. A narcissist is not in it just to win. They they are in it to make you miserable, to devalue you, to squash you, to hurt you, to hurt you before you hurt them, to make sure that everybody knows that whatever happened with the relationship was your fault and that they're the perfect ones and that you're the villain. They might even call you the narcissist. You never know, but that's what's going on. So when you are in this entire process of negotiation, what are some signs of malicious intent? One of the very first big, huge, honking red, you know, arrows should be that they constantly move the goal posts. And why do they constantly move goal posts? Well, If you want to know more about that, you should definitely check out my video on why narcissists constantly move goalposts, but why do they do that? They do that because they enjoy the process of making you squirm, manipulating you, intimidating you, scaring you, dragging it out. Um, And so what does moving the goalposts mean? It means that you will get some kind of an offer from them. And even if you go back and you say, I'll take exactly your offer, word for word, every single thing that you put in your offer, I accept. They'll come back with sorry, that's no longer available. Or it's available, but I'm adding this. Or I'm taking away that. And why do they do that? They do that because it drives you crazy because it allows them to continue to lead you around by the nose. It's like a little ring in your nose that they're leading you around by. They love it and they love seeing you squirm, and they love asserting that control over you. So that's a huge red flag that you're dealing with someone who has malicious intent, is constantly moving the goalposts. The second big red flag that you know that you're dealing with somebody who has malicious intent in a negotiation is you see these ultimatums like right from the beginning. I just recently had this. I was representing a woman in a divorce and her very malignant narcissistic husband was coming in to... uh, negotiate. We had a mediation set up, and he comes in and he starts right off with, I want my dogs back. Now, these dogs that he had, he wasn't taking care of. They were starving, and his Adult daughter went and got the dogs and brought them to her house and refused to give them to him. This wasn't even anything that my client had anything to do with, other than the fact that she's on better terms with the daughter than he is. And he starts off the mediation saying, I'm not doing anything today until I get my dogs back. I want the dogs. Go get the dogs. Go bring them to me. You know, and everybody's supposed to scatter around and do exactly. Exactly what he wants. He really was trying to show the world, everybody there, that he's in charge, that this is how this is going to go. I'm in charge of the day. And and so he picked something that was Quite ridiculous and made everybody squirm about it. And here's the mediator over uh, talking to us and saying, What can you do about the dogs? And my client's on the phone with the daughter. Can you get the dogs? Can you do something with the dogs? And the daughter's like, I'm not giving up the dogs. So here we spent the first hour and a half of the mediation, not even talking about anything that has to do with the divorce. There's a very huge red flag. Of somebody who had malicious intent. His intent was to control. His intent was not to come to a peaceful and reasonable resolution of that case. So that's another huge red flag is that you see these ultimatums happening right away. And a third red flag that somebody has malicious intent is that they're not actually coming to the table. They're not trying to mediate it all. They just are constantly dragging out the case, more discovery, uh, sending out motions, doing all these things, but you can't get them to actually come to the table and have a conversation with you about uh, resolving the case you or the issue, whatever it is. You can't you know, what is it that you want? They don't give you an offer, they they, they just completely avoid the entire conversation. There's another example of malicious intent.